Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Morning and welcome to Collective. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the lead pastors and I have the privilege of leading alongside of my wife, Lee, who you met earlier. We're glad that you're with us, whether you're in the room or you're engaging online. Today we have a guest speaker. We have Pastor Jared Moore, who is the associate pastor. I had to ask him what his official title was. Associate pastor at Slate Church in, uh, it used to be Waterloo, but it'll be Kitchener, right? Kitchener, Waterloo. And, and uh, Jared's been a, a really good friend. He's been someone that's been a, a massive encouragement. Every time I spend, you know those people you spend time with that afterwards you feel like you've been filled up? In contrast to the people you spend time with that afterwards, you're like, mm. right? When I spend time with Jared, I feel encouraged and filled up. And it, it's the friendship that we built has been a, a gift to me. And, and he's been, uh, yeah, a voice of encouragement. We're glad that he is here. His wife, Beth, was supposed to be here, but they dealt with some challenges this week. And uh, we're glad that he is here. So can we just give him a round of applause as he comes up? Hey everyone, how you doing? Good. Doing good? good? Great, it's awesome. It's great to be here um, with you guys at Collective this morning. Um, it's, a real, it's a real honor, it's a real privilege. I was here, um, maybe, maybe, was it over a year ago, Tyler? When, yeah, last summer. Yeah, last summer um, I came with my pastor, Pastor Brandon, and, um, and he was speaking, and, and it was when uh, you guys were outside and doing the services out in the sun, which was really, like, that was awesome. I remember it was such a hot day, but it was like a warm, can't imagine we're enjoying the air conditioning and being inside, but I just, I was really struck. It was the first time that I've been able to come to Collective, and I was really just so encouraged by um, the team and the people that are here and the heart that, like, this church has for this community and this city and for one another, and just the desire to get to know God on a deeper level and have him actually transform your lives. And that is just like, it's rare to find in, in today's uh, world and society. And so I was really just encouraged and it's a real honor to be, to be back here today. Um, as uh, Pastor Tyler said, um, just a little bit of, about who I am so that you are aware of like who's talking to you today. I haven't had a chance to meet many of you. And, and oftentimes I know that um, when I was growing up, I grew up in church. My dad uh, was a pastor and still is a pastor and my whole life has kind of been uh, a surrounding church in some way, shape, or form, except for like maybe four or five years in high school and university when I, I didn't really want anything to do with it, but God brought me back, which is cool. So, um, but anyways, just like I remember going into like services and sitting down and going, okay, I've got to listen to this person speak for the next 45 minutes, but I don't know anything about them. I don't know who they are. I don't know like if I should listen to the things that they're saying or trust the things that they're saying. So without getting a chance to meet all of you, I just want to give a little bit of context um, about myself. And again, even like, we're gathering around God's word. We're not gathering around like teachings that I'm bringing this morning. We're gathering around the word of God and, and expanding on what is in scripture and understanding that. So there's common ground for all of us. 
But, um, but just a little bit of, of an idea. So I'm an associate pastor at uh, a church called Slate Church, and it's a church that um, is in Waterloo. It's like uh, a lovely church. It's a great church. We love um, being in that city and being a part of that, and we love uh, what Collective is doing here. We're actually very similar churches in, in a lot of different ways. The heart, the heartbeat, the attitude, the desire to, to have people in the city come to know God is just like, it's, it's very similar across the two. But for myself, um, uh, I got married to my wife, Beth, maybe... I should know these things. 2018, yeah, right, holy smokes. Is this going online? We should, we should eliminate that. Um, in 2018, so I guess that would be four years ago in, uh, in August, and we've got a daughter, Vivian, and she is one years old, and, um, and it has been a real joy to be her dad and to be um, best husband and to be a part of the church that we've been a part of. And life moves really quickly, um, and you don't really realize that until you have all kinds of stuff going on, and then you're like, holy smokes, life moves really quickly. And as we're getting older and, and growing, I'm just realizing the significance and the importance of, of each day and of each conversation. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here this morning to go, okay, as, as our lives begin to fill up. Um, there's something that happens to us every single day. We're all like people that communicate in some way, shape, or form, right? We're all talking in, in some capacity. And so today, I'm not gonna like, you know, I'll just let you know what we're talking about up front. We're gonna talk about our words and the significance of our words, the importance of our words, and the impact of our words this morning. Um, and I'm really excited to jump into it. Before I do, I just, I feel like I got all this stuff I just need to say before we open the Bible and jump into it together. So the first thing, I just wanna let you know a little bit about myself so you're not like, who is this guy with this baby face I just shaved this morning because I can't actually grow a beard, so it just mostly comes in as a mustache. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta shave that off quick. But a um, little bit of context about myself. I also just wanna say, like it's really, it, one of the cool things about being able to share at, in a community and in a church that isn't what I will call my home church is that you get to talk about the pastors of some of these other places, usually, because you actually know those people generally. Um, and as uh, Pastor Tyler was saying, Pastor Tyler, Pastor Lee, like these, these are really um, phenomenal people. And I think that I, the reason I wanna take some time to highlight that isn't because he asked me to or anything like that. It's because uh, it, it's important for, for us to know in the communities that we find ourselves in, oftentimes you can take for granted what you do have. And oftentimes you can go like, oh, it must be nicer somewhere else. Or you can feel the frustrations of, of what happens in the community that you're in. And then oftentimes we take those frustrations in the community and just lump it on the pastors, which is completely unfair. But I think that in, the, in those environments and in those contexts, it's good for an outside voice to come in and to just remind people to say like, hey, the, the pastors that you have here, for all of, the, all of the, the good and all of the challenges and all of the growth and everything, here's something that I know about both of them, and I've just been getting to know them over the past year, so I don't have all of this history and depth, but what I do know is that they love God so much. Like, it's like their top thing in their life, and then the next thing that I know about them is that they love this church so much, and they're so grateful for the people that are part of this church. Every time I hang out with, with Pastor Tyler, and again, we've been able to connect more than even, even Lee and I have been able to, and and I'm bummed that Beth and Viv couldn't come because we we're gonna get to hang out a little bit more after this today. But, but what I've learned in conversation is just the love that they have for God, the love that they have for this church. But even more than that, like the, the real deep desire that they have to see people in London come to know Jesus and have their life transformed and life changed. And I, I get the chance to, and I'm kind of like hesitant to share this part because I don't wanna paint any other places in a bad light. That's not the point of this. But I get the chance to talk with a lot of pastors in different like scenarios and environments and whether it's just different gatherings uh, throughout the city. And there's always a, a blend of motivation for people. Every, every time we do something as, as human beings, like there's always a blend of motivation. Like even when we're generous, oftentimes when we're just like giving towards something, there's like this blend of motivation where you're like, oh, this is really nice, but at the same time, like it kind of makes me feel good. So there's a little bit of selfishness mixed in there. Or even like, 
um, with, with Vivian, when I come home and I'm trying to focus on being a good dad, there's like, there's like this, this, this genuine love for my daughter, but then there's also this like pressure that I feel of like, oh no, like hopefully my wife isn't frustrated that I'm not doing enough for her. So there's always like a blend of motivation and that, that exists uh, all the time. Even for myself as I'm, as I'm communicating today, somewhere in my heart, there's a blend of motivation behind why I'm doing this. But what I've gotten to know about, about, uh, about Tyler and Lee is that as I get to know them more and as I get to talk to them and I get to see them in the context of a lot of other churches and a lot of other pastors in, across Canada, the, their blend of motivation, is, it leans very heavy to the right reasons to do the things that they're doing. They're a real honest love of God, a real honest desire to see people come to know them, a real honest desire to see this church actually be a family and a community that's more than just people coming on a Sunday and sitting and giving high fives and going home, but actually contributing to what God is doing. Because the crazy thing is God is doing something in our world regardless of whether we act on that or not, right? God is always moving in people's lives. He's always drawing people to himself. And the beautiful thing about being the church is that we get to take an active part in that if we'll just take that step towards God to say, God, would you use me? And the, and the wonderful thing about, about, um, about your pastors here is that they just, they just so desire to be used by God in the city to play their part in what God is doing. And so um, anyways, I rag on them for a long time and I'm usually not very good at encouraging people uh, in that way, shape or form, but um, can we just like put, a, put your hands together and thank your pastors uh, this morning as well for what they've done and opportunity to do. Great people. Great, great people. Okay, um, we're gonna pray, we're gonna talk about the series, and then we're gonna jump into the word of God this morning. Um, Jesus, we love you. Um, thank you for being here with us today, God. You don't have to be, and, and yet you said where two or three are gathered, God, that your presence is with them, and so we thank you for your presence this morning. We uh, just wanna take a moment to recognize that. I want to take a moment to invite you into what's happening today, God, that you uh, would move in a, in a mighty way, Lord. I pray that as we open your word this morning, that we would be open to the things that you wanna to speak to us today, God, that we wouldn't be uh, having walls up in front of you or all this different stuff, God, but that we would just allow you to speak to our hearts, that we would allow you to change our perspective on life, that we would allow you to continue to shape us to be more like you day in and day out, God. Um, yeah, you're worthy of our praise, you're worthy of our attention this morning, and we love you. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so we're in this series uh, talking about uh, Proverbs, this book of Proverbs, this is book of wisdom. And I brought my Bible up, um, but it's an NIV translation and none of my verses are in NIV. So I'm just gonna have it sit here, uh, but the verses are on my iPad here. But we're in, in, this, in this series talking about Proverbs and this book of wisdom. And the thing about Proverbs is it's like, it's got all these little catchphrases in it and, and it's hard to just ingest all of the knowledge that exists in Proverbs because it's just like talking about a whole wide range of stuff. And it says it almost in these like metaphors, and some of them are really clear, some of them are really confusing. But the interesting thing about this, this book is that it's a book of wisdom, but wisdom is kind of like dead without application. Like you, you need to not just know and understand all of this stuff, you actually have to apply it day in and day out. And so uh, Pastor Tyler's spoken on a couple of different things here. Um, and listen, when I, <laughs> when I was thinking about coming to, to share this morning, I was a little bit intimidated. Um, mostly because I was watching back on some of the previous messages and I just realized how much stronger Pastor Tyler was than I was. And I was like, man, this guy's got just like muscles coming out of his ears right now. And I was just like, this is hopefully like people realize, listen, not everybody needs to be as jacked to be able to speak. And I was like, it'll be okay, no problem. And then I watched last week's message from Todd and I'm like, what the heck? This guy also has <laughs> muscles coming out of his ears. And I was just like, dude, is this like a prerequisite to talk in this series? So last night, I just did like 150 push-ups and I did all that I could and I got, 
a ticket for dangerous driving because I was doing overhead presses in the car on the way to church this morning because I was like, I need to just apply some of the wisdom that I have. But I think today, opening up this book, like there's this idea, I was thinking about it and then I started thinking about the gym and all this different stuff. But I was thinking about it in the sense that like, listen, you can know all there is to know about fitness and about health, but unless you actually put that into action, you're just gonna like stay exactly where you are, right? And I think that that is like exactly the case with this book of Proverbs. And I also wanna make a caveat here. When we talk about these things, when we look to the book of Proverbs, it's not um, that it's necessarily equations for life. It's not necessarily like one plus one equals two. These are principles to build your life on. And as you build your life on these principles, as you, as you understand the wisdom and the direction of where they're leading you, and then as you apply them, that's, that's that building your life on these principles, then it will bring you uh, what, what is kind of defined as like a successful life. Successful by whose standards? Successful by God's standards. And that's a very different standard than the world sets for us nowadays. I think if you, you're thinking of like, when I say that word success without anything, any context given to it, immediately my mind goes to like, um, you know, you got like a nuclear family of like two kids, you're making a bunch of money, you got a cottage, you got the boat, you got the car, you got all these different things in your life. Um, but that's not necessarily the picture of success that we see outlined in scripture and outlined by God. And so um, these things will bring us, if we, if we take this wisdom and we apply it, we'll, we'll have a successful life as defined by God. So if you got your Bible, you can open up to uh, Proverbs verse, uh, chapter 15, verse one to four. I'm gonna read three Proverbs that talk about our words and then we're gonna kind of jump in and, and flip back and forth between those, those verses. And so Proverbs 15, one to four, I think we might have it on the screen. Yeah, okay, cool. That would be great. Um, and this is out of the NLT. So it says this. It says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. That, that's like a really interesting juxtaposition between those two things. A gentle answer, it deflects anger, but harsh words, it kind of makes tempers flare. I think about like conversations that I've had with friends or specifically with my wife, and I love my wife a lot, and we're actually great, and I don't wanna be dogging on her at all, but um, in some of our arguments, sometimes I'll just say something that's a little offhand, and, and the argument goes from here to here. So I've seen this actually work out in my life. A gentle answer deflects anger. Harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise, it makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. What a, what a word picture on that. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. I love, I love the imagery that, that Proverbs gives us. A gentle words, they're a tree of life that's growing, that's blooming, there's life inside of that. But a deceitful tongue, it crushes the spirit. Proverbs 12, 18 to 19, uh, just two quick ones here. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. And finally, Proverbs 12, 25. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. And I think that all of these verses, they're getting at the significance and the power that, that, that our words have. And I think many of us, we, we uh, maybe you're not somebody that talks a lot, but even if you don't talk a lot, you talk more than you think. More words come out of you than you really realize. I think that the stat is, Somebody will, will say between 100 million and 900 million words in their life, which is an, an insane amount of words. I would probably skew closer to the 900, um, where some would skew to the 100. 
But that's just a lot of words. And, and often we don't think about the, the, the power of our words because a lot of our words are just kind of commonplace. Like, hey, can you hold that door for me? Or like, uh, do you want a coffee? Yes, no. Like a, a lot of times it's just sort of going about the actions and the everyday of like, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. A lot of this kind of like commonplace language. But we can't undervalue the significance of our words, the things that we have to say. Because I think as much as there's a lot of words that get shared that don't have a ton of value or meaning in them, there's also a, a lot of words that get shared that do have a ton of value or meaning in them. And we don't necessarily realize that. You know that old saying, um, uh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words or names will never hurt me? I feel like that is like one of the most untrue monikers that exists right now. It's like, I would much rather take a broken arm in some cases than some of the things that have been said to me over the course of my life that are still sitting with me today. I remember back um, uh, when I was young, maybe like eight or nine years old, and my dad, he's like, my dad is my hero, and this story does not paint him in good light either. I just keep painting people that I love in my life in not the best lights this morning. But my dad, he's my hero. If I could be like half the, the dad that he was, or half the man that he was, I'd be doing a good job with my, my wife and my daughter. But um, I, I love him to death. But I remember one day, uh, we were moving some stuff from the garage into the house, and it, it was a lot of stuff. It was really heavy. I was eight or nine, and I was trying to take the small stuff, and he was moving the big stuff. And I remember like, not wanting to do it, <laughs> like as you do when you're eight and nine years old, like I don't really want to like work ever. And, um, and I think I was just like sitting in the grass and I was like, I don't know, playing with a ball or something like that. And I remember my dad had to keep asking me to help. And then it got to a point, I think, where his anger just bubbled over. I don't know what was going on in his life at this point in time. You're just like, I'm not aware of all the dynamics there. But I remember he just said to me like really quickly offhand, he's just like, Jared, you've got, you've got to help out. You've got a bad work ethic. You need to jump on board and you need to help out with what's happening. Don't be lazy. And I think he just said it in passing out of a moment of frustration. But I think for myself, it wasn't until even just a couple of years ago um, where Beth kind of challenged me on something. She's like, why are you pushing yourself so hard in all of these areas? And I just said, like, it's because I, I, don't, I don't know if I have a good work ethic or not. She's like, where does that come from? And I had to sit with it for a while. And I went back and I thought, actually, like, it's this one moment in my childhood where my dad said that he, he poured out all kinds of praise on me growing up. But this one moment just stuck with me my whole life. And I'm like, man. And that's the power of our words. That's the significance of our words, both in a negative light and in a positive light. So I just sat with that. And, and I'm saying all of this because him and I have talked about it and we've worked through it and it's not something that I carry around with me in the same way. But it's just amazing to see like, holy smokes, there's so much that can be done in, in, in just one word. My dad told me every day, uh, not every day, but like five days of the week that he was proud of me. And that's the thing that I, I carry forward. And there's also this idea that's like, it takes 10 words of encouragement to counteract one word of, of criticism or, or of, of, you know, even just negative feedback. And I look at this in, in the life of, of my wife, Beth, and she posts a lot of content online. She's been doing it for a lot of years, and she's kind of has this following both on Instagram and on YouTube, and, and she gets messages all the time, probably like 10 a day, it's ridiculous, of people texting her saying like, or messaging her on Instagram saying like, hey, thank you so much for the content that you put out, I've been really encouraged by it, it's helped me through this dark season, like I'm so grateful, da 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 and she'll maybe get one a week of somebody saying some offhand thing about how her voice is annoying, or how like our daughter is like annoying, or something like that, and it's, it's those things when we're laying down in bed at night, she's like, ah, oh, man, like I just can't believe that they would say something like that, and I'm like, babe, you have piles and piles of encouragement, but it's this one thing that, that, will, that will stick with us, and so the, our words hold a lot of weight, both for the way that, that people feel, but also the way that we see and understand the world around us, and I think that that's what Proverbs is getting at here. It's more than just, it's more than just um, 
uh, like encouragement or, or crushing somebody's spirit. Actually, crushing somebody's spirit is a pretty heavy thing. So that's like, that is what it's talking about. But it's more than just encouragement. Like our words have power both uh, positively and negatively. There's this, there's this saying, um, and it's a really corny saying, and it's probably on like deep in the explore page of Instagram where you go, like, you know how you, sometimes you go down and you see like these like phrases that somebody's copy and pasted over like some photo of like, Arnold Schwarzenegger at like, uh, at like Mr. Olympia or something like that. It's just like these cheesy catchphrases. And one that I saw the other week, it said, I don't even wanna say it because it's so, it's so lame, but it said, our words create worlds. And it's like a cheesy saying, but as I sat with it and thought about it more, I'm like, no, it, it's true. The words that we say, like they actually create the realities that we live in a lot of times. Whether those realities exist in our mind or whether they exist outside of us. The, the difference between a yes and a no in a situation is usually quite large and has quite a big impact on somebody's life moving forward. I think about questions like, um, will you marry me? Yes or no? That's a, that's a simple words, but an entire life on the other side of some of those decisions that are expressed in those words. Um, you think about like, remember a time in high school, um, I was kind of hanging out with a bit of like uh, the wrong crowd and I was walking home from school one day and this like minivan drives up beside me and the, the sliding door like rips open and there's like six guys in the minivan and they're all like, hey, do you wanna come in? We're going over to somebody's house to have a, a fire extinguisher fight. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, no. I was like, I don't know if that's one, safe, two, where are you getting these fire extinguishers? Like, how is this happening? And I thought about it and I, I was just like, oh, should I do it, should I not? Sounds like it's a good time. These guys will probably like, like me more if I do. And I was wise enough to say like, no, it's okay. I have some homework that I need to do. And I said, no, these guys, they didn't have the fire extinguishers. They proceeded to take the van and steal them from the malls and some of the businesses nearby, um, go back to their house, have the fire extinguisher fight and then get arrested by uh, the police. And this was not in Canada. I spent a few years in Thailand and this is where this happened. So they spent weeks in like a Thai prison where there's just no rules. And it was like very challenging to get their kids out and to get their kids back to their countries and all this different stuff. And I just think like, man, my life would have been so different, even just for a few months, if I had said yes to that as opposed to a no. And think about like, just the, the, the weight of words and the decisions behind them. Um, if anybody has been watching like the Johnny Depp trial and all that stuff, it's kind of old news now that the verdicts come out. But I just, I began to think about that legal system and how all that works and even our legal system here. Like we say so many things all to hear guilty or not guilty, right? And those, those words change the trajectory and direction of somebody's life entirely. I remember, um, I remember, <laughs> My grandpa, he grew up his whole life, he wouldn't eat vegetables. And uh, he was a very healthy guy, like did a lot of like working out and stuff like that, but he wouldn't eat vegetables. And um, when he was in his 70s, he had to get triple bypass surgery on his heart to just keep living. And he's fine now, so it's like, kind of like, all right, man, that's what happens when you don't eat vegetables. But I remember being like 17, and I was the same way. I hated vegetables, and I was like, I'm not gonna eat them. My grandpa doesn't eat them, he's fine. And then he had this bypass surgery, and I was like, maybe I should start eating vegetables. And, but I just, I couldn't stand the taste of them. And so I just decided, all right, I'm just gonna tell myself that I love vegetables. And so like every day, man, I just, I love vegetables. Anytime somebody would like offer me a vegetable, I love broccoli, like that's one of my favorites. <laughs> and they offer me like a carrot. I love carrots, they're the best. And um, I don't really love vegetables still, but I eat them and I enjoy them now. And then my whole like mindset has shifted on that just because I decided I'm just gonna say this stuff, even if it's not true, and I'm gonna make it true in my life just by like kind of speaking that out. And there's something about that, like even just psychologically. And so this, these passages in Proverbs, like these aren't just like good ideas. These are like 
these are like a roadmap to the way that God has created humanity and created the world to exist. And so when it says your words hold weight, they carry weight, uh, a way better way of saying our words create worlds is actually found in Proverbs 18, 21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it eat its fruit. The way that I memorized that out of the King James Version was um, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And that is like a very significant thing to the power of life. We're not talking about the power of like happiness and sadness is in the tongue. We're not talking about the power of like a good time and a bad time is in the tongue. The Bible says the power of life and the power of death is in the tongue. That's a significant thing. That like, and you see, like this is the way that God has designed us to be. It's not just like a good idea. It's, a, it's, a, it's an intentional design. You see the power of words all throughout scripture. The power of life and death is in the tongue. When, when God created the world, like you see this account in Genesis that talks about God's creation of the world. And it's interesting because God could have created it however he wanted to. It's interesting the way that he went about creating it. He could have, the passage could have talked about how, you know, he used his hands and he put this thing to this thing and he did this and he, and he, and he did all these different functional things. But it doesn't say that. Genesis 1 verse 3, it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said like he spoke creation into existence. And so you see, even just from the beginning of humankind, our words hold weight. Our words hold power. Think about like, I was thinking about this as I was driving over today. Like we're sitting in this room as, as collective church, talking about scripture, talking about Jesus, talking about what it means to outwork this in our life. And all of us have, have been impacted by this in some way, shape, or form. And some of us in the room have made major decisions that have changed the course of our life in order to follow the words that are outlined in scripture, in order to follow the words and the ways of Jesus. And we did it all, we're doing it all, all of this exists because why? Because before Jesus like went and ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, he left us with the instruction of the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And out of that, the church was born thousands and thousands of years ago. And here we find ourselves today sitting in this room because of that instruction, the words of Jesus that were given to us. I think it's just powerful, like the, there's so much weight in our words, and it's not just an idea, it's, it's a reality in scripture. And as I'm, as I'm thinking about that, and even just thinking about Jesus, a lot of times people like to take um, the words of Jesus and, and, and to twist and manipulate them. And so words are, they have their, their place in things, and they're, they're a great weight, but then also like the words of, of an individual have to actually affect the way that we live our life, right? The words of Proverbs have to actually affect the way that we outwork uh, our, our life in the world around us. And so there's a lot of weight to the, to the words that we have. And I wanted to take some time this morning even just to, to, to help outline that. Because if we can understand the weight that our words carry, like even just the passages that we read just a moment ago, a gentle answer deflects anger. Like we'll read these passages with a new, a new like uh, passion, a new vigor, a new fervence to go like, wow, these words aren't just words. Let's actually, if we can throw it up on the screen again, that Proverbs 15, one to four. Now understanding the weight of our words, like a gentle answer deflects anger but harsh words, they make a temper flare. The tongue of the wise, it makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool, it belches out foolishness. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. These are important, important, uh, important things to be thinking about. Another, another passage of scripture that, that I often go back to as an individual is this passage, um, that says, out of the contents of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I wrote down the, the reference here, Matthew 12, uh, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, out of what's inside of us as individuals, comes out of us in our mouth. My mom used to tell me 
growing up, uh, she used to have this catchphrase. She had all these catchphrases around the house. Heart, uh, a job worth doing is worth doing well is one that she always said. Another one she always said is garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you're ingesting into yourself, whatever you're putting inside of you, that's what's gonna come out. It, our, our words aren't just coming from no place. Our words are coming from inside of us, the depths of our hearts. Out of the abundance of our hearts speaks our mouth. And I think for, for us people, it's so easy to just speak poorly about things. It's so easy to have a critical eye and a critical spirit and, 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 it, and it makes it simple and, and, and it makes it like common ground for people to have a, have a chat with. This Rogers outage on, uh, on uh, what's it called? Friday, I guess it was when that happened. It's just like, man, it's easy to just dog on Rogers now. And like, listen, I'm not defending Rogers by any, any means. I think that they dropped the ball on that for sure. But it's just like all the conversations that I was in for like the last couple of days, just like, man, Roger's this, Roger's that. And then, and then you start to gather like a crowd around this frustrated thing that everybody's talking about. Or like at the water cooler at work, you go like, oh man, like I'm so frustrated with this that's happening at work or this manager or whatever. And usually you'll find another person that shares that common frustration and you're able to build up this frustration around that. And it's so easy, it's commonplace to find like people gathering around negativity or criticism or, or harsh words or anger, these words that'll cut and these words that'll hurt. And I think it's, it's really important for us as followers of Jesus to be very mindful of the things that we're saying, be very aware of what we're talking about. This is why, like, to me, like, gossip is, like, one of the most dangerous things that can exist, especially in, in a church context, especially in a community like this, for people to go, like, to, to, to share, you know, negative elements of, of somebody else's life or over, just overshare things that don't need to be said in a context where that person isn't there to actually talk through it and work through it. Like, there's, not, there's no reason for that. There's no need for it. And what it does is it actually breaks down uh, trust between people. It breaks down trust in what's happening. And, it, and it's actually like one of the most dangerous things. And I actually struggled personally with this for a long time in my life because I just found like I always wanted to be accepted. I always wanted to have like people, you know, uh, be friends with me and kind of like find common ground. And so I would use situations and talk poorly about them. And then you kind of just gather those people around. And I remember being called out on it a couple times and go like, hey, you can't be saying these things. You have to shift your perspective. You have to like realize the power of your words. And now there's relationships that I've been able to build up in my life around me that like if I was to say anything about somebody that wasn't necessarily present there or a little bit offhand or off color, um, they'd call me out on it. They'd just be like, hey man, like uh, you should probably go directly to that person and talk about it, right? Because it's just not a way of operating and we see this and I think it's one of the most dangerous things in a church community like this is to be uh, people that have this, this critical spirit and critical attitude and let it well out of our mouth and, and then find another person that takes that on and, and gossip and do that. And we even just see it outlined in scripture. I think it's outlined in Matthew or Acts where it's like the Bible tells us how to deal with these frustrations because there's gonna be frustrations, there's gonna be breakdowns, but the way that we deal with it isn't, isn't to, we have a saying at Slate that goes up, not out. It's not to go out to all the people around you with the frustration that you have, but it's go to the person that you're frustrated with, go to what's happening, actually speak to them. So it's really important like the way that we talk about uh, people in our church. It's really important the way that we talk about uh, pastors. Like even for myself, my pastor, Pastor Brandon, um, I, I get to work with him really closely and I see all the good and the bad that exists, all, all the really wonderful things that I'm inspired by and look up to and, and some of the challenges that he faces as a person. And it's very important that I go like, okay, like how am I speaking about this person in, in all the different contexts that I am? Am I like, am I encouraging? Am I lifting him up? Am I giving like these words of life? Power of life and death is in the tongue. Or am I like allowing those frustrations to you know, boil up inside of me and then share it with all these other people? No, 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 we just talk about them because that's, that's the kind of relationship that has to be fostered amongst people. And so I think for you guys, like in this church, like the people that you get to, to do day life in, day in and day out, your, your spouse, I think about like, how are we talking about our, our significant others, our spouses? Like, am I, am I speaking about Beth 
like in the way that I really feel about her? Am I, what is inside of my heart that's coming out when I talk about my wife? Is it like, I actually do have so much respect and love and, and, and I'm so grateful for her, but am I often found caught talking to you know, her or even just myself about like, man, I wish Beth would do more of this or more of that? Because as I begin to say those things, it, it shapes the way that I understand my relationship with her. And so again, I'm not talking about like false positivity and I'm not talking about like manifestation, like that vegetable thing kind of sounded a bit like manifestation. It's like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just like, being careful with our words, being wise with our words, choosing our words wisely and realizing the impact of them. I think about my daughter Vivian and I go like, man, I'm probably gonna be one of the more significant voices in her life over the next 18 years of her life. And so when it comes to her, what am I saying? What am I speaking to her? The words that maybe I'm intentional, like I try to tell her I love her every day, but what are the other things that I'm even saying to myself? Like uh, this past week has been pretty challenging. She's been fairly sick and and, um, and we had to go to the hospital for a little bit of it. And praise God, she's doing a lot better now and she's on the mend. And so there's no need to worry or anything. But I think in that, I was kind of pushed to some of my breaking points. And in those moments, I'm going like, what is coming out of my mouth now? What are the things that I'm saying? Am I snapping at Beth? Am I snapping at Vivian? Because it's those snaps that, that maybe she'll carry with her into the future. And I can't control every single thing that I do, but I do need to be careful about the way that I talk. Am I instilling in her an identity um, of, like, of strength? and of, of security and of safety in my relationship with her and, and even in, in my relationship with my wife. I, I go back to this often, this idea that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because then I go like, okay, well, how? Like, I can't just be nice all the time. <laughs> I can't just say like encouraging things all the time. It's hard. Like, it's really hard to do that. I was sitting in a car with a friend the other day and he showed me a song and he was playing it on the radio and, uh, not the radio, <laughs> nobody listens to the radio. It was like, it was like Spotify on Bluetooth. <laughs> And, uh, and we were listening to it, and I was like, this is a great song. Like, this is such a cool song. And then immediately my brain is like, man, I should spend more time finding cool songs so that, like, I don't feel, like, so out of the loop when somebody shows a cool song. And I got, like, insecure about it and all this different stuff. And it's just like, where is this coming from? And instead of, like, making, like, a sideways joke about it, I was just like, man, like, this is a really great song. Like, thank you for showing me this. And his whole, like, face just perked up, and he was just like, oh, dude. And then it opened a door of, of conversation and relationship that came from there. I, had, I was having coffee with a, a guy um, from Waterloo, and, and he also works in church, and, and, and we're kind of peers, and, and there's always a, a little bit of this, like, weirdness between us, and it's just like, hey, like, are you, like, trying to teach me something, or are we just hanging out? Like, what's going on here? There's always just a bit, a bit of a strange dynamic, and I don't want it to be there. And I was sitting with him. We were having coffee, and I was asking him some questions on how he was doing things. And I was overwhelmed in that moment by just an appreciation for him. And so he's in the middle of telling me something and I just cut him off and I was like, this is gonna be weird. But I just like cut him off and I was like, hey man, like I really like spending time with you. Like I'm really glad that you would come here and like, I'm sorry, I cut you off, but I just wanted you to know like I really like, like being around you. And he was taken aback and he was just like, oh, thanks. And then he like continued on with what he was saying. But it was like, but again, the whole dynamic of our conversation shifted in that moment to go like, wow, like when it talks about life, being in our words, like that's life. That's the beauty of what that can do and, and change somebody's perspective in a moment. So I think, I think for us, it's like, how are, how are we doing with this stuff? But then, but then I go back to like, all right, well, I can't just be nice all the time. I can't just say an encouraging word all the time. I, I ha I'm a human being. I get annoyed with stuff and I get frustrated and I just like, I can't handle some of this stuff. And then it goes back to that idea of out of what's in our heart comes out of our mouth. The abundance, the overflow of what's inside of us. And so then my thought is like, okay, if we wanna be people that speak life into environments, speak life into this church, speak life into this community, to be salt and light, to go, hey, there's a different way of living. And if you would follow Jesus, it'll change your life. Even when that passage talks about, um, what does it say? It says, uh, 
the tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. Like we've got all this knowledge in scripture, but a lot of times people just wanna push it away because the way that we present it, but the tongue of the wise, somebody that's wise and has understood the way that people work and the way that they work themselves, it makes this knowledge appealing. And if we wanna be that kind of person, how do we get there? We have to, you have to go to the root. You have to go to the fundamental root of like, why am I the way that I am? And what's my perspective in the relationships around me? You know, I could just say whatever comes out of my mouth when it comes to the frustration with Vivian. I try to put her to bed. She's not going to bed. I try again, she's not going to bed. I try again, she's not going to bed. And I'm just like, would you just like go to bed? Like, what's the deal? I could do that or I could just go like, I mean, scripture tells me children are a blessing and it's a blessing to have Vivian. And I need to remember that that's a blessing. And I need to be patient and I need to go back in and I need to say, hey, I love you. It's all right, hey. I mean, you can't come out and like hang out. You need to go to bed, but like you do it with a different attitude and different perspective because the root of my understanding of things has been changed, right? And that's where I think like we can't just be nice. We have to have an understanding of the way that God sees people, the way that he sees the world around us, the way that he loves the people in the world around us. And then we need to be a mouthpiece in that. God is already doing something beautiful in all of our lives. He's already doing something beautiful in our families. He's already doing something beautiful in London. Like God is already drawing him, people to himself in that and we get to be an active participant in that. So we have to change our hearts to go, God, would you give me the desires that you have? Would you give me the love that you have for this, this community, these people? Beth and I, we're, we're trying to move, but um, we're having a bit of a hard time with it, but we're moving on Monday into this neighborhood in, in Kitchener and um, it's a great neighborhood. But right beside it, it's got these two motels, and they are the sketchiest motels I've ever seen in my entire life. Every time I drive by, I'm just like, what is going on in those 42 rooms? And, um, and I'm frustrated. I'm just like, oh, these people, like, they're just doing all this stuff. Like, it's going to be so annoying. And then I'm like, I don't know, I'm catching myself, and I'm going like, no, these people are people that Jesus loves. These are people that he's created. He's got a hope and a future and a plan for them. And they're living without that hope and without that future and without that love. God, would you change my perspective and change my heart so that I can change my words and change my interactions with them? And it comes from this place of the heart to go, God, just weed out of me what's going on inside and allow me to just be, be used by you, to be filled by you, to speak your words of life to the people around me. Yeah. Actually, this is probably a good time for a uh, band to come up as I'm just kind of like processing through. I think, I think in this stuff, like, I don't think I'm saying anything new or foundational. I think all of us could go back to, to words in our life that have spoken really like positively and negatively to us in the way that we've carried that. I remember in high school, Mr. Umholtz, he told me I had a really good smile one time and I've just been like, oh, sweet, thank you, man. And I just smiled more in my life than that. Just something so simple like that, you know? But I, I think about it and I go like, he had no idea the impact that, that that word would carry for me as a person. You know what I mean? Like that, that day, I can think about where I was. I can think about what I was doing. I can think about how he stopped me and how he shared that thing. And, and Mr. Umholtz has no clue that that impacted me that much. My dad, until I told him, had no idea how much I was carrying around from that small interaction. And I think for us, it's like, man, we've got this opportunity in our life to speak life into people around us, to speak joy and speak encouragement. And like some of us, we don't even realize the significance that we're carrying around the opportunities that we have in front of us. And, and I wanna just take, take a pause really quickly this morning um, while we're all here. And I did this, I did this activity with um, our team at, at church. And um, I did this activity with our team and, and, and it was helpful and impactful for them. But I wanna take 30 seconds this morning and I want you to pause. And I want you to think back on a moment in your life where somebody said something to you that was either deeply impactful in a positive way or deeply impactful in a negative way. 
just take that time. Maybe it's something that got said to you every day growing up. Maybe it's similar to myself in some of these, these tense moments where words just come out. Maybe it's a passing comment that somebody made. But I'm just gonna be silent here for 30 seconds and ask that you would just take this time to, to think back through and go like, maybe this is something that I've carried around both positively and negatively to feel that impact of, of what words can do. So let's just take a moment and, and think through that together. Proverbs says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Things that we say about other people matter. Things that we say about ourselves matter. And some of those things are shaped by our families. Some of those things are shaped by our friendships. Some of those things are shaped by just the world around us. But most importantly, the way that we see ourselves and think about ourselves, and the way that we see the world around us, it needs to be shaped by God. It needs to be shaped by the things that he says about us, the things that he says about creation, the things that he says about the people around us. Ultimately, what God says about us matters more than what anybody else has said about us, than what we say about ourselves. It's important to know what God says about you. And I wrote down some of the things that God says about you this morning. I got passages for all of them, and I'm not going to read all the passages out, but if you want to dig down on any of those, just come chat with me afterwards. I'd love to talk about it more. But the things that God says about us, God says that we're loved. John 3, 16, this is an important one, actually, to read. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So motivated by love. Each one of us are loved by God. God says we're complete in him. We're, we're not lacking anything when we find ourselves in our identity in God. God says that each one of us in the room today that we're chosen. God says that each one of us in the room today we're forgiven. That we're a child of God. And we're part of his family. For each one of us that we're free from sin. It's another big one. Romans 6, 22. I hear all these different things and I process through them and I think about them and I go back to that, that verse and that proverb that we read to start. Truthful words stand the test of time. Lies are soon exposed. I don't know what you thought of in those 30 seconds of, of what people had shared about you or, or what you'd be carrying around with you or whatever that looks like. But I wonder if in a moment like this that you would allow God to expose the lies that exist there that you've been carrying around with yourself or that you've been carrying around about your family or your parents or the world around you and that you would allow, as scripture says, as Proverbs says, truthful words to stand the test of time. That you're loved, that you're chosen, that you're forgiven, that you're God's child, that you're free from sin. I just wanna pray to close this morning and then Pastor Tyler will come up and, and actually close out the service, but would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray? 
God, we love you. Thank you for the words that you've spoken over us. That we are loved, Lord, that we are chosen. That we're forgiven. Thank you that those aren't just words that you said, God, wisdom and knowledge that existed without action, but God, I thank you that you put those things into action and that you sent your son Jesus to come and to die, that we might be in relationship with you, that we might have new life and freedom found in you. Pray for each person here this morning, God, myself included. I pray that you would allow these lies to be exposed in our life. God, and that your words, your truthful words would stand the test of time in our life. God, I pray that you would speak life to us today, not so that we can just feel better about ourselves, Lord, but so that we can leave this place and speak life to the people around us. Speak life into our church, speak life into our pastors, speak life into our children, speak life into our spouses, God, into our families, speak life into the relationships and friendships we have, speak life into our coworkers. God, that you would just fill us with words to say to the people around us. I don't know if I should thank you for the power of life and death being in the tongue because that's a weighty thing. But what I do thank you for, Lord, is that we don't have to figure these things out on our own, that we can trust you, that we can rely on you, that we can rest in you, even just in this moment, that we can rest in you and allow you to change our perspective and to change our heart. God, you're worthy of our attention and our praise, our adoration, and we love you very much. Thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.